Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I want to continue on what I began to talk about last week. Asked a question is, um, should Christians tithe? And, and then I basically made reference to the fact that it's the wrong question to ask because that really is not the question. You know, uh, because, again, I don't want to bring it down to this argument of, of do's and don'ts because that's really not what it's about. It's really about Christian stewardship. You know, the most important thing to remember is that we are to be stewards. So it comes down to stewardship. When it comes to believers in Christ, a steward is one that is charged with the administration of the affairs of another, of the one true owner. So we don't own anything. God owns everything. Amen? He's the owner of all things. We don't own anything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's the creator of all things. He created all things. He is the owner and he simply gives us stewardship. So a steward manages the property of another. So we've got to come from a perspective understanding that everything that we have come into our hands comes into our hands to steward. Amen. We are to steward these things. As a steward, we are managing the property of another, and this is God's property. We are managing God's property. Can you say amen? amen? A steward is under the authority of the owner and has to give an account to the owner of the way that he has managed the property of the owner. So ultimately, we are to give an account of our stewardship. You know, that's why Jesus went through many parables. He talked about, you know, the Lord, the, the master that gave the, the talents and went away and then, of course, came back and asked for an account from those that were given stewardship. We have to understand that all we have is given to us from God. As a Christian, we are receivers. Amen. Everything we have is what we receive. See, you, can't, you can't have what you don't receive. You can't have what you don't receive. You have something because you have received it. And it comes from the Lord. And the reason that you have it is because you have received it. And you can't give what you don't have. So you first have to receive before you can give. That's why he is the one that initiates the blessing. Melchizedek came to Abraham. He initiated the covenant of blessing. He brought him bread and wine. Blessed him. So blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. He's the owner. He's the possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be Abram. So God initiates the blessing because he is the blesser because the greater one blesses the lesser one. Amen. So he initiates the blessing. So we are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. Book of Ephesians tells us that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, blessing in heavenly places. So the blessing, we have to first receive it. We receive the gospel. That's why salvation is God's free gift. It's 
given by grace and received by faith. Everything is initiated by God's grace. Amen? It's his gift. It's his free gift. Salvation is a free gift. Healing is, his, is God's gift. The blessing is God's gift. We receive it. We receive it by faith. And once we have received it, we have something that we can share. Amen. So we have to also be stewards of the blessing. So we're not just stewarding finances, possessions. We are actually stewarding God's blessing. We are to steward the blessing of God in our lives as stewards. And then, of course, we will stand before the Lord, give an account. So we are to receive. We are trustees as steward of what God has given us. As a steward, we are therefore responsible and accountable to God who is the owner of all things. A steward may use, abuse, or lose what has been entrusted to him. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is expected. To those who have been given much, it's required of them to do much, and then they will be given more. And he said to others, it will be taken away from them. Why? Because it comes to the test of stewardship. The Lord tests our stewardship. Once you are a good steward, you have become trustworthy because you are a trustee. God has entrusted into our hands his blessing. And when we have proven to be faithful, trustworthy, then guess what he does? He increases you. He gives you more to steward. So the key to more is being good stewards. The key to increase is being good stewards trustworthy stewards amen is this helping anybody here this morning have i come to the river church all right so a true and a faithful steward will be rewarded god is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and the word to seek means to inquire of and to require of so we are actually inquiring of the lord as we are seeking him Lord, what is it that you have for me to do? We are inquiring. And he gives us the direction. He gives us the commands. He gives us his word. He, gives, he reveals us his will. He tells us, go and do this. Go and do that. And then we obey. And as we are obedient, we prove ourselves trustworthy of his word. So he will test us in his word. Right? And the word of God will test us. So God's word... So is one thing that we have to steward. We have to steward because we have been given the Bible. We have been given the Word of God. Amen. Hold your Bible in your hands. If you have a paper one, if not, you have a device. That's your Bible. That's God's gift to you. That's God's voice to you. That's God's words, word to you. That's God's will to you. It's been given. It has been given to us. And we, obviously, you can keep that Bible by your bedside. You can just sit there, you can carry it in your purse, but if you never open it and read it and get in it, dig in it, you know, and, and, and just search the scriptures and, 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 I mean, just meditate on the word and read and, and, of course, obey to do that which is written in it, not just being a hearer of the word, but be a doer also, you know, if you don't do anything with it, it'll just sit there. It can, it'll sit on your shelf. You can have 15 different translations of the Bible. 
and they can just sit on a shelf and they're not going to benefit you you need to steward the word of god you take the word of god you study it you meditate you become a good steward of it you become a, a workman that is not ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth you take the word of god and then you take the word of god personally it is god speaking to you it is god's word to you it is god's will for your life and you take the written will of god which is given you receive it and then you know it that is the known will of god it's the public will of god it is the general will of god it is the same for every single person on the planet god is no respecter of persons he's given us equal access every single one have been given the same bible i did not get a different bible than you got I don't have extra chapters in my Bible or he didn't say you know what I'll take out a few chapters for you because you're a pastor I'll kind of give you a free run up the side no we all got the same word and we have to steward that word we have we are responsible to read it to study it and observe to do what is written in it amen just like he told Joshua meditate on the this word this book of the law which he only had five he had the Torah, the five books of Moses. We have 66. He only had five, and it was more than enough. And five is the number of grace. This book of the law, you shall meditate in it day and night and observe and obey to do what is written in it. And then, right, you shall find good success, you shall prosper. So he's given us the tools that we need. We have to steward. We have to steward the word of God. So the word of God has been entrusted into our hands. And that's where it all begins. That's why prosperity begins in the soul. Right? Dearly beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your mind, your will, your emotions. You take the word of God. You put the word of God into your heart. You, me you meditate on it. You, you, you keep it in your heart. Amen. I've hidden your word in my heart that I will not sin against you. That's what the psalmist said, right? So we take the word of God. We become good stewards of the word of God. It has been entrusted into our hands. It's the known will of God, right? It's the same for everybody. And I'll tell you right now, about 90% of what you need to do in life is already written. It's in the Bible. Pastor, what, what must I do? Read the book. If you don't understand it, come. I'll help you understand the book because we need teachers. Then there is the other part, what we refer to as sort of the unknown will of God. That's the private will of God. It's unique and specific to every individual believer. It's a specific will of God for your life, you know, and things that God has for you personally. Your calling, you, the giftings in your life and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. What he's called you to do, your mission, your assignment. And that's, that's not written. I mean, obviously, there are scriptures. As you read them, they're quickened to you. And you will know that, hey, that, that's what God is speaking to me about. But what's going to be quickened to you may not be quickened to another person. The verse that will be quickened to, quickened to you may not be quickened to him. Because his calling is different. And there could be a Bible character that quickens in your spirit, resonates in your spirit. Because that's the... The assignment God has for you and somebody else could read it they can obviously receive something wonderful but it may not be quickened to them and resonated in their spirit because it's not their calling 
when it comes to an assignment or when it comes to a ministry office or ministry gift that God's going to use you in, right? So there is the specific will of God, which is not written. And how do you find that out? Well, it actually becomes quite easy once you steward what is written. I mean, what I've seen over the years with an issue with and problem with a lot of Christians is they want the, the unknown specific will of God, but they're not even doing anything that's written in the book. They're not even stewarding what they already have. If you're not going to steward what you already have, why would God give you more? So start with what has been given to you. Receive the word, begin to believe it, begin to, to obey it, begin to speak it, begin to walk in it, and then everything else is going to line itself up. And in due time, God will begin to speak to you about the things that he asked for you individually. Amen. Is this helping anybody here today? So there's, there's the two kinds of the will of God. There's the known will of God and there's the unknown will of God. Or we can say there is the public, general, written will of God, right? The, his testament, his will. And then there is the private, individual, unique will of God for each and every believer. But ultimately, it's all going to come down to stewardship. Well done, good and faithful servant, right? Well done because well did. They did something. What did they do? They stewarded what was entrusted into their hands and they multiplied it. The one with the five turned it into ten. The one with the two talents turned it into four. The one with the one talent buried it. Didn't do anything with it, right? And what was the answer to him? What was the response to him? You wicked and lazy servant steward. You know, you haven't done anything with it, right? So the parable... The parables speak to us about stewardship. Now, I'll show you some things that will really open your eyes because people just think that, you know, we make this stuff up. But I'm just going to follow Jesus today, and I'll, I'll preach like Jesus preached, right? Okay? I'm just referring to the parable of the talents right now, okay? And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, that it is required of a steward that, he, that the man be found faithful. Amen? Faithful. Everyone say faithful. It's a combination of two words, faith and full. That means you got to be full of faith. What is faith? Is it just simply believing? Believing and speaking? No, there's more to it. It's believing, speaking, and doing. There's action involved. Faith without works is dead. So you apply your faith. You got to, as I say, you got to put feet to your faith. Come on, somebody. Say, I got to put feet to my faith it means I got to get moving amen now it's much easier to to steer a moving ship if you get on a boat that's sitting at the dock you can turn the rudder all you want it's not going to go anywhere but once the boat gets moving it's got momentum now you can steer it right so you got to just get moving a lot of people just sitting not doing anything just get moving well what do I do pastor you just become faithful with what you have in your hands. But it's so little. That's great. He says, he who is faithful with little will be given much. Start somewhere. Everybody starts somewhere. Start with what you got in your hands. That's why you find that when the prophet went to the woman's house, he said, what do you have in the house? Well, I have nothing. Well, okay, I do have something. It's just a little jar of oil. Oh, oh there we go. We got something to start with. Let's work with that. 
Master, master, we have 5,000 families. It's late. They're all hungry. We are hungry too. I think they were hungry. I think the disciples were the ones that were hungry. They, you know, Lord, the people are hungry. It had been a long day. Jesus had been preaching from early morning. Now it's late. Sun's going down. I mean, you know, master, master, rabbi, the people are hungry. You know, the disciples were hungry. They wanted to eat. What you got? Uh, we, it's going to take 200 denarii. We don't have it. You don't need money. Give them something to eat. Huh? We have nothing. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. We do have something. We got a little five loaves and two fish from this little lad. Right? Little Johnny's lunch here. So that's all they had. But you have to start somewhere. Stewarding what you have in your hands. You can't steward what you don't have. So God's not expecting you to steward what you don't have. Just steward what you already have. And as you're proven faithful as a good steward, then he'll give you the increase. He'll give you the increase. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So we, we're talking about this. It's required of a servant that the man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, which I've been kind of paraphrasing, teaches the same thing. For all had been given talents. By the way, the talent, there is not some kind of a gift or talent like singing talent music this is actually gold there's different um viewpoints on this but one talent was anywhere from 90 to 110 pounds of gold so we're talking about the guy that received five talents received close to 10 million dollars so this is actually money that they were given this was actually gold that they were given five talents of gold two talents of gold one talent of gold so they were all given something yes unequal amounts but they were both they were all, all three were given something, right? And the talents came from the Lord, and the Lord counts them responsible and accountable to him, right? All are but stewards of his goods. And I talked about this last week. I'm going to recap because I want to get into something else here real quick. But there are five major possessions of life that all believers, as well as unbelievers, by the way, every single person on the planet, are responsible and accountable for before the Lord. In these areas, God desires to develop the owner-steward relationship with, between himself and his people. The five areas are as follows. Number one, our life. What we have received as a gift from the Lord. Our life. Amen? Amen. Say, first, my, my life. Amen. So that's a gift from the Lord, right? The, even the very breath we receive, it's a gift from the Lord. Secondly, our time. Say, my time. my time. The years that have been allotted to us by the Lord. The Bible says the number of our days are, uh, the day, uh, are numbered, right? Third, our talents. Say, my talents. my talents. Now, these are actual talents we're talking about, not, you know, gold, money. But these are the gifts, whether it's spiritual or natural, gifts and skills that have been given to us to use for the Lord. Fourth is our possessions. Say, my possessions. These are the material possessions that have been entrusted to us by him. Amen. And number five is our finances. Say, my finances. This is what the Lord has given us. Now, this is a little bit different than possessions because possessions you're entrusted with. They can come into your hands. But finances, these are actually things that you earn from your labor. So that represents your effort, your sweat. Blood, tears sometimes, right? Anybody ever shed blood? <laughs> tears? Well, Jesus shed a lot of blood in his labor 
all of it actually. But you know, that's, that's the fruit of our labors. And it's precious to us because it not only represents the money we receive, it represents our strength, our effort, our will, I mean everything, our faith. We put so much into the things that we do. Amen? And so the return to us is precious. So we're not just giving money. We're actually giving of the fruits of our labors. And basically we're honoring the Lord, honoring the fact that he has, he's the one that has given us strength because, amen, I mean, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, somebody. Amen. These things are not ours by right. We have actually no right. The only, the only right we had was the right to go to hell, to be honest with you. It's the only thing that we deserve, but God in his mercy does not give us what we deserve. That's what mercy is. And then grace goes even a step further. He gives us all the things we don't deserve, all the wonderful gifts and the blessings. He shares the eternal kingdom with us. Come on, somebody. We are co-heirs with Christ. Every person, whether believer or unbeliever, will be accountable for these in the, la- in the day of judgment. We'll stand before the Lord, give an account. That's what the judgment seat of Christ is for the believer. It says our works will be tested by fire. And when he goes through the fire, whatever we end up with, if it's gold, silver, precious stones, guess what happens? Jesus takes the gold, silver, precious stones. He will craft and, 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 and make crowns and crown us with all these different rewards. We shall be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. The believers will. Amen? This is not a judgment onto damnation. This is not a judgment, you know, sin was already judged. We receive Christ. Again, we receive him. We receive the free gift of salvation. We receive the abundance of grace. We receive the gift of righteousness. We receive these things. Amen? How many of you have received Christ? You received a new birth. You received salvation. You received righteousness. We have received it. It's ours. It's ours already. Amen? So the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment of whether we'll make it into heaven or not. The judgment seat of Christ is to reward the believer. Amen. Ability means responsibility, and responsibility means accountability. And that's what the Bible teaches. Amen. And so when we get into this subject of finances and tithes and offerings, this is not about money. It's about stewardship. It's about having an understanding of life in general. You can't just compartmentalize stewardship to just money. It's more than that. It's it's stewarding everything. And when you develop the mindset of a steward and you are stewarding all the different things that is in your life, your life, your time, you know, and, and your possessions, your finances, your gifts, your talents, the relationships, all of these things. All of these things that we are stewarding them. So now when we come into a position of understanding that I am a steward. God has entrusted into my hands. Everything that I have now is a result of my past stewardship. Right? Everything you have now is the harvest of the seed sown in the past. Good or bad. I don't like my harvest. Wonderful. Change your seed. Stop sowing that other seed that you've been sowing. The words you've been speaking, the things that you've been doing, and, and change your harvest. It is, it is in your control. Behold, I give you seed, the power of seed. So seed is going to produce a harvest. Amen. And don't be jealous of somebody else's harvest. 
Because we haven't seen the seed that have, they have sown. Well, how come God does that for him and not me? That's not the right attitude. He, he sh your attitude should be this. Praise God what God has done for him. He will do for me also. Amen. Glory to God. And if he's being blessed, I'm going to rejoice. Because that means the word of God is true. He is a blesser. And I'm going to get in on the deal. Amen. And there's more than enough for everybody. There's no shortage of the anointing. Amen. Let's look at some things. Let's look at some things. There are some interesting facts in scriptures concerning money. Money is a very sensitive issue, I know, with most people. You know, somebody said that the, the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one closest to the back pocket. <laughs> I know it's a sensitive issue, most people, with many Christians. But I would ask this question. What is there about the subject of money that often causes people to react in such an unchrist-like manner? Why do people start manifesting? <laughs> Something come on me, honey, today. I, I don't know what's going on here. Must have been that I was up till 5 a.m. praying. Maybe that was, that's what it was. Wrestling in the spirit. I was wrestling in the spirit with so many things through the night. I tell you right now, because I, I just see what's coming, and I just see people in, are in la-la land. I, I, it's hard to sleep when you see Christians that are just in la-la land. Just in la-la land. La-la-la-la-la. And they're about to get smacked by a Mack truck, and they don't even realize it. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to be a leader. It's hard to be, it's hard to stand before people and, and speak publicly. Because I'm going to I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to give an account for every hour, every minute that I've spent in this pulpit. Every minute that I've looked into a camera, I'm going to have to give an account. And I'll be, I'll suffer double judgment. That's a fearful thing. That's a fearful thing. So... The answer is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. I won't read them, but it tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And it can drown men in destruction and perdition. That's what it says. So it's the love of money. The word there, love or lust. An earnest, intense desire. It should be remembered that money in itself is not evil. Money takes on the character of the person using it. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth what? Good fruit. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart will bring forth evil. So the Bible tells us that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So there's the wicked and there's the righteous. That's what's happening right now. It's actually a fight. It's actually a, it's actually a fight over territory and finances and possessions and dominion between the righteous and the wicked. So the righteous need to get engaged in the warfare because the wicked, they, they are vicious they have, an, they have a plan. They have an agenda. They know exactly what they're doing. And the righteous are just, you know, la, 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 la. Come on, righteous. Do we have any righteous in the house today? The righteous are as bold as a lion. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I've been young. I've been old. I've never... Never seen the righteous 
never seen the righteous begging for bread. There's seed begging for bread. The righteous being forsaken. God will not forsake his people. You believe you hold on to the word. You steward the word. You steward everything that he places in your hands. You steward the vision that's burning in you. Step out and do things. Stop being afraid. Step out in faith. Believe God. Take risk. Faith takes risks. If you don't want to ever take a risk, you'll sit in the boat. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter. Come on, somebody. It's time to step out of the boat. Come on, lift your hands. Father, I pray for big, 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 big things. Big things just exploding on the inside of you, of the hearts of your people. Big vision, big goals, big things. Boom, in the name of Jesus. Let it explode. Let it explode in, the, in their spirit, Lord. Big things. Now is the time for big things. Now is not the time to pull back. Now is the time to press forward. Hallelujah. Heaps. I like the interaction, so if you shout back at me, I, I don't mind it. It should be remembered that money in itself is not evil. Like I said, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And that's what we deal with. It's a heart issue, not a money issue. Never is. Most of the evils in the world can be traced to the evils of the love of money. That's it. Follow the money. That's it. You want to know what's going on with the virus, the vaccine? Follow the money. Follow the money. Follow the money with Pfizer. Follow the money of all the people that have, that have investments with Pfizer. All these politicians. All these worldly. It's follow the money. Follow. You want to know what's going on in Ukraine? Follow the money. Everything else is a smokescreen. Everything else is make-believe. Everything else is make-believe. They're all actors. Playing on the world stage. They're all actors. Mainstream media. They're all actors. They're all acting their part. Don't believe their lies. Don't, don't listen to the false prophets of media. Follow the money. You'll know exactly what's going on. It's all about money. Money, 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 money. The love of money. It's the root of all evil. All the wars, all the killings, everything. Abortion. Money. Food stamps. Money. Poverty. Money. Because somebody else is making money while everybody else is in poverty. And they want to preach poverty to you while they're living in mansions. How many mansions that socialist, communist Bernie Sanders have? These people live in mansions. And they want everybody to share their little. And they want to give everybody crumbs. These people are wicked to the core. Full of devils. Just because they wear a suit, have a Harvard or Yale degree, doesn't mean they're good people. They are liars. I'm going to call them out. We need to expose it. Anyways, man, this is getting out of, out of hand here today. Jesus, help me here. 
apostle prophet dial it down gotta do the pastoral thing here mother's day don't scare the mothers oh, Jesus. Most of the evils in this world can be traced to the evils of the love of money. Judas Iscariot, the son of perdition, coveted after money and perished in suicide. He never lived to spend the money for which he sold out the Christ. Look at these interesting facts. The gospel contains, I'll finish with this, I, I promise. I am wrapping up. The gospels contain more warnings against money and its misuse than any other subject. When one totals up the verses in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it will be found that it, one in every four verses deals with money. 25% of the Synoptic Gospels deal with money, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When one totals up all the verses in the New Testament, it will be found that one in every six verses deal with or has reference to money or its equivalent in one way or another, possessions or stewardship or money. One out of six verses. Almost half of the parables of Jesus have reference in one way or another to money and generally have warnings against covetousness. The first sin in Israel as they entered the promised land and therefore, therefore brought defeat and which brought defeat to the whole camp concerned a Babylonian garment, a wedge of silver and gold that a man hid in his tent. The first apostle to fall was Judas. He fell over the love of money. He sold Christ out for money that he never even lived to spend. The first sin in the midst of the glory of God in the early church in the book of Acts concerned the giving of money to the Lord. Notice how Satan entered into the scene of the glory of God in the early church over finance. And then the spirit of, when the spirit of giving was on the people, if you read Acts chapter one, uh, 5, verses 1 through 10, I mean, spirit of giving, people were selling lands, they were selling houses, bringing the money and the proceeds and putting it at the apostles' feet. What does that mean? We don't own this land. It's the Lord's. It's for the kingdom. Use it for the kingdom. And the sale value of the land was the Lord's. If they sold the land to give to the Lord, it was the Lord's. But what did Ananias and Sapphira do? They sold the land and they kept back part of the proceeds. And Ananias and Sapphira had deceit over the money. And it brought death on Ananias and Sapphira. Wow. How about Simon, the sorcerer? Book of Acts chapter 8. It's called the sin of Simon. Concerns someone who seeks to buy the power of God with money. He was called to repentance or else judgment would fall on him. So these are just some interesting facts and warnings in the New Testament concerning the use or abuse of money. Amen? Amen. Was this helpful today to share? Yeah. Just smile. You'll be fine. We are in a time where... The system of the world, listen, the nature, the character, the spirit, everybody's on the take. Remember the message, come in the opposite spirit. 
We are to be in the opposite spirit of the world. Do not get caught up in the spirit of the world, which is fear, covetousness, greed, worry. Amen. Come in the opposite spirit. Spirit of generosity, spirit of stewardship, spirit of faith. Amen. Spirit of God coming on you to do big things, mighty things. Some of you all are going to take up the city gates. Somebody here is going to take out 300 people with the jawbone of a donkey. Somebody here is going to outrun chariots. Somebody's going to walk on water. Somebody here is going to feed 5,000. Somebody's going to do it. God's looking for those people. Why not you? Come on, lift your hands and say, Lord, use me. I want to be a good steward of everything you have entrusted in my hands. I want to prove faithful. I want to serve you with my whole heart, not a heart that is divided, but a heart of integrity, a heart that is not divided, a heart that is fully yours. I worship you. I thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.